Hello, everybody. I am Chantel Branch, your favorite domestic violence specialist. I am so happy that you decided to join me this evening. <sighs> another, another series, but I'm just so glad that we made it through 2020. Um, we are on the up and up. You know, we are moving forward past everything that we've gone through. And I'm just excited to be in this first quarter of the year. And we're going to continue in our series, The Identity of a Woman. Initially, I just thought it would be just a one show, but I have gotten such good feedback and just how important and the evolving of women it is. It couldn't just be one show because the show will last too long. So I had to break it down and I have a great guest today and we just want to really hone in on the identity of a woman. So this is going to be the identity of a woman part three. And this is the love series. I'm Chantel Branch. You are, um, don't forget to follow and share the broadcast. I am the founder of MFF Project. And don't forget to visit our website at www.mffproject.com. We just launched our website. So if you or someone you know is in a DV relationship, or if you would like to have our Survivor Testimony and Monologue production come to your school or organization, you know, once it's safe for the world to open back up, feel free to reach out to us so that we can get the paperwork started and give you all the info that you need in order to get booked for, you know, spring, winter 2022. I know it's like, oh my God, we're planning for a whole year from today, but we just want to make sure that everything is safe, everything is in order, and that we can fully come out and run our production in the best form as possible. So without further ado, we're talking about the identity of a woman. Women are complex and men, I created this so that we can help you help us. So you can be a better lover, a better son, a better friend, a better brother to the women in your life. So without further ado, I have a great, great guest, like I said, and it is Carrie Williams. Hi, Miss Carrie Williams. How are you? I'm well. How are you doing today? Good, good. I'm so glad you decided to come onto the show today. So tell us a little bit about what you do and what you have going on this year for 2021. Um, yeah, thank you for having me. Um, right now, I am the director of student care services at Wheaton College, where I get to care and love on people, individuals um, every day. Um, I have also um, a um, private practice company, Revelations Counseling and Consulting, that I've had for years, not actively practicing right now, but that's what I used to do. And I am First Lady of South Park Missionary Baptist Church in Chicago, uh, 3722 South King Drive. Um, and um, just busy working, living, and trying to do the right thing. Hey, that sounds good. That sounds good. I hope that, you know, this year is, you know, awesome for you. And I hope that you um, continue to flourish. And hey, you guys, you, if you need a church home and you live in Chicago on the South Side, check out South Park. <laughs> Amen. Oh, you know what? I forgot to mention, too. Um, I am also um, a student at Regent University in Virginia, um, working on my doctoral uh, doctorate degree and that would be in counseling and psychological services. So I forgot to mention that, even though I've been working hard at it, I forgot to mention it, but yeah, I'm awesome. doing it too. Busy. 
Yes, absolutely. Awesome. So this is so you guys, I was I'm trying to round out the identity of a woman and bringing to you a professional that's just going to help us dig a little deeper and go a little into the psyche as it relates to the identity of a woman. So can you just tell us in your opinion what love is to you? Okay. What love is to me? Um, um when I think about it, of course, given my life <laughs> that I have as a pastor's wife, as a mother, um, and as a Christian, first and foremost, you know, um, I always go through my Christian belief because that's what holds me together. Um, but love is how we care for one another, right? How we care for ourselves, uh, how we feel other people's pain and hurt, uh, empathy, um, and it represents um, who we are through our actions. Um, and what we do for others and how we care for ourselves. And so um, it's the very essence of who we are as humanity, in my opinion, um, and that love doesn't harm. Um, it doesn't take away joy. It, it uh, creates disruption sometimes, but it does not tear down. It's meant to build up. That's what I believe love is. That's good. That's good. Awesome. Awesome. So the big topic that we've been talking about on the show for the last couple of weeks is the identity of a woman and why it's so important for us as women and especially for us as African-American women to know who we are. Because I believe if we know who we are, we know where what we want. Amen. And we know where we're going and we can have an idea of what paths to take. But when you don't know who you are and you're just kind of going with the flow or going off what your friends say or what society says, what social media says, you can find yourself running on a wheel like a hamster. You can find yourself mm -hmm. lost in a forest, you know, mm -hmm. or down in a ditch somewhere because you have become a follower and not a leader. And I believe that each of us have um, qualities inside of us to be leaders, especially the women that are mothers. As a mother, you're a leader. Yes. So, yeah. So I wanted you to just tell us how important is a woman's identity? Mm, that's a great question. Um, of course, as a woman, I would say it's very important. As I mentioned a little bit earlier, it's the essence of who you are, your identity. Um, and we all have multiple identities, right? Um, so I could say that my, one of my identities is, of course, being a woman. Um, but I am also a daughter, I'm a mother, I'm an aunt, I'm a professional, um, I'm a Christian, I'm a wife, um, I'm a friend. So there are different identities that I also hold. Um, but in my identity as a woman, the importance of um, tapping into my identity is so important because it operationalizes my existence, my interactions, um, my influence, my goals, my needs. Um, so it's important to know who I am as a woman if I'm going to operate in my full being um, as a person. That's good right there. I like that you said that it is your existence. Yeah. And sometimes when we are in bad places, we find ourselves just only existing. You know, we're not necessarily living. We're going through the day-to-day -day motions, but we have experienced some trauma or some rejection or something has um, stopped us from progressing forward and we just find ourselves existing. 
Yeah. Um, the part about our very existence, what I mean by that is um, your identity tell other people who you are. Like I, I am a woman. I am a professional. I'm a mother. I'm a daughter. Um, not just my sheer existence in the sense of that's just all I am, but it's a combination. Um, your identity is a um, combination of various different roles. I guess that's what I'm looking for, roles uh, that you operate in. And your identity speaks to those different roles. So in my professional setting, <clears throat> I'm a director, I'm an administrator. Um, and so at home, I use those skill sets wherever I go, right? But at home, I'm a mother to my three sons. In addition to that, I'm also a wife to my husband. And so there are different roles and I'm not the same. I am you know, with my husband as I am with my sons, nor am I the same in my personhood that I am at work when I'm at home. And as a first lady of a church, I'm also having a, a role there in that uh, regard. So my identity sits in that regard. I'm the same throughout. It's fluid, but they mm. have different roles. That's what um, kind of sets it up to say, um, I operate, I operationalize my existence, my influence, my goals through my identity as a woman. That's good. That's good. So how would you, or what advice do you have? How do you balance that? You know, there are many women who, you know, they, they have everything that you have and, and, and some of them host podcasts like me and, 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 and also in addition, trying to be an entrepreneur or, um, you know, just, uh, tap into other things. How do you balance that? How do you um, keep mm -hmm. from going crazy? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's some real talk there. How do you do that? Um, I know I was at a um, a training at work, and we were talking about work life balance. People talk about that all the time. Work life balance. I have a different perspective on that. Um, when you're balancing something out, when it balances, it's equal, right? Mm -hmm. um, I don't think our roles are equal. Um, I give attention in my professional setting differently than I do in my um, role as a mother and as my role as a wife. You know, there are differences in that. So how do you balance that? Um, being present for every situation that you're in. When I'm at church, I'm present at church. When I have a member call me and they want to talk, I'm present with them in that moment. When I'm with my sons and they need my attention or some advice, I'm present in that moment. I try to compartmentalize of, yes, I have to work, right, um, mm. to pay bills. Nice. <laughs> but I also hear when my son said, mom, you've been working for nine hours straight. You know, can we do something? Okay, you know what? Let me sit that to the side and let me focus on you. So being present is how I focus on balancing, if you will, and not uh, losing my mind. And I, you know, give you real talk. Uh, sometimes you feel like you lose your mind. You know, I, I, I'm always often asked a question, Carrie, how are you working on your doctor degree, working full time, a parent, right? A first lady. And we also caretake my father-in-law uh, and my mom. So how do you do all of that? Well, I, because of my identity as a Christian, by the grace of God is how I do that. Through a lot of prayer um, and a lot of surrendering to say, Lord, I can't control everything. So I got to give some of that up to him to say, okay, now I'm going to focus on this. I'll let the other stuff handle itself. So the balancing part for me would be compartmentalizing and being present in every moment, every role, every um, um, identity that you're carrying in that moment um, to be present. When I'm with my mom, 
I'm not thinking about anything else, but hanging out with her and laughing. Um, and she enjoys it. And it gives me more um, uh, value in that exchange versus me being with her thinking, what am I going to do for dinner? You know, I need to help my son find this job. You know, I got to get this um, project done for work. I got to complete this paper. I don't think any of that. And that's hard to do. I'm not trying to say it's easy. It's hard to do. You got to work at it. That's good. That's good. I like the fact that you said um, we as women in our roles that because we have so many, um, we can't control everything. So ladies out there, we cannot control everything. I mean, even in marriage, sometimes wives, we find ourselves. I mean, for me, I want to control what my husband eats sometimes, not like all the time. And it was funny because when I first got married and I would see, you know, other women doing that, I'm like, just leave him alone. Let him eat what he wants to eat. But now as you know, we've grown older and we're in, you know, in our marriage, I'm like, no, you're not eating that. Right. Exactly. No. <laughs> because you care. We are caring beings naturally. Uh, not to say men are not, but we're, we're nurturing. Yes. Yeah. Can't help but fall into the role. You know, I mean, it's like when someone's hurt, you don't just ignore them. You know, you just kind of like, okay, I know you need to put a band aid on to take care of this. Take, we're just nurturing that way. So it's natural. Um, I, I do that. My husband does it with me too. Um, you know, I'm not supposed to have a lot of hot sauce. Although I love hot sauce, I'll say, honey, that's too much hot sauce. And you're not having too much hot sauce. For him, I'll say, honey, eat too many sweets. Like, nah, don't do that. We're not getting younger. We're getting older. So um, the, I, I get that. Yeah, we want to control it. But the reason why we're trying to control it is a little bit different than when we're trying to control things that happen at work, your job, you know, family, community, things of that nature. Yeah. And I and I also like the fact that you said being present in the moment. I think sometimes I know I do it all the yes. time. Um, I mean, and especially since um, we've been sheltering in place and with the pandemic, it's yeah. like, OK, um, while the kids are doing their work, um, I kind of have them close to me because I just don't want anybody in their room idle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just me. Um but then I'm also, you know, I'm doing my work. And then after work, you know, it's like, okay, we're still together, but I need to work on my business. I need to work on that. Um, and it's like, I'm always thinking of the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And sometimes mm -hmm. I don't live in the moment. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, but I think because I now realize that sometimes you, you miss out on stuff. You, you can miss stuff that is right in front of your face because you're not living in that moment. You're not being present. You're there, but you're not consciously present. Right. And you you, you brought up a good point. Um, the pandemic from beginning through now, um, I think people are beginning to see um, the beauty in being present because you can't yeah. get away. Right. Yeah. Um, the beauty of being present with those people you care about the most because, you know, uh, things are happening so quickly. And yes, you may get tired sometimes of having the same people around you all the time. You feel like um, claustrophobic. Everybody's around me all the time. But I think with everything that's happened, you begin to see, you know, what? if you're asking me, like for the kids, can you just, you know, color with me? Sure. OK, let's sit down and color. Then you take that moment and you sit down and you pause even just for five minutes. Mm -hmm. There's a blessing and the beauty of what's happening there. You're engaging, you're connecting. Uh, your son or daughter are seeing you differently. Um, yeah. And you're seeing them differently. You're learning who they are. My husband was preaching um, yesterday. He was talking about how 
he enjoyed having his boys around all the time because he he's seen them grow and mature in different ways than when they were at school, you know, and weren't around. Yes. And so I, that was um, really beautiful to hear him say that because we miss out on those moments by not being present and not um, connecting. And I think women have a way of multitasking. Again, nothing against the men, but women can multitask really quickly. I, I knew when, when I had my first son, I was on the phone um, talking to one of my professors and I was also nursing. I was cooking some food. I had <laughs> and my mother was calling me on the other line and I didn't miss a beat. And that's not something that's just taught to you. That's just naturally in us. And so we have to slow ourselves down. I think if anything, that's what the pandemic has helped us to do is to slow ourselves down um, and realize that those interactions, that's where some of that love that you're talking about comes through in different ways. So absolutely. Um, I know. I, I, and well, I'm not going to say I know it, it was a good amount of people just maybe through Facebook and just talking um, with people who said, you know, 2020 was the worst year ever. And I was like, I just really believe that um, it was meant to happen so that we mm -hmm. could stop you know at yeah. one point we were literally stopped yeah um to just take a look around us and see what we were missing and i know at the beginning i was like oh my god are you doing that at school oh my yeah. god oh my god we gotta get yeah. this together before you go back to school are you doing this with your teacher oh <laughs> so you know it just allowed me again to 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 know the kids a little bit more and while we think we know them, honestly, the hours that we spend at work and the time that they're at school and then the time that you're home for that, you know, um, dinner or, or snack mm -hmm. dinner, um, yep. take a shower, read a book, tell me about your day. And if you have more than one kid, you got to oh section up that time so that um, the one who talks the most or think they had the most to share don't take, don't overshadow, you know, so yeah. you have to kind of section it off and, you know, everybody runs their house differently. But um, I think it was just a great time, like you said, to just stop and, and look around yeah. us and see what were we really missing? Um, what is, is what I'm working on that important? Yes. Um, then, you know, I, I, I mean, I literally did a whole pivot. I did. I mean, I think everybody pivoted. Well, they mm -hmm. should have pivoted. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Um, but I think it was a great pivot. Had it had it not happened, where would we be? Right. I exactly. think um, our eyes were opened, our ears became more open and tuned in to some things that were right in our face that we were missing. Yeah, and it launched people in different parts of their relationships. Yeah. So talking about love, you know, there's some people who missed out on some things, right? Um, because they were so busy. But then you got to refocus yourself and say, what's really important? Is it really that important that, you know, I go get my latte and go work out and, you know, go visit my friend? Or am I spending time with my spouse? Am I spending time yeah. with my children, my extended family? And now more so than anything, people wish they could get with family, right? Yeah. Isn't that you know? something? Yeah. Connect in person. Um, and that, that, ability to have um, time with someone and spend time with them is now going to be, you know, a really valued component 
of our interaction. And, you know, I know for some of the students that I work with, um, and we was missing out on just connecting. With yes. People. You know, that was one of our keywords. Uh, connection was our focus through my office. And we wanted to make sure people felt connected. And that's what love does to connect you with other people in a more deeper uh, way. Um, so I think the pandemic itself um, launched a lot of people in different directions of entrepreneur, different jobs. They never thought they'd be able to do um, or deal with. And then for some people, it caused people to have to sit with themselves. Right. Yes. Yes. And and I, yeah. Themselves. Go ahead. No, 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 no. I was I was was going right along with you sitting with yourself. Um, the people I mean, and my heart just went out to every single single person I knew that lived alone. I'm like, oh, Lord, so and so. But then I'm also like, you know, we're all we're all paused and stopped. But they have to sit with themselves. And then I was like, I remember when I had to sit with myself, you know, (laughs) right. It makes Um, you think it makes you think more of it could be good and it could be not so good when you sit by yourself. Yeah. You know, so. So, yes, absolutely. I mean, and that just kind of takes us right into the people or or right into rejection recovery after trauma. So people who had to sit with themselves and, you know, they have experienced some rejection. I know people who were still dating. I'm like, how y'all out here dating? I'm scared. (laughs) I'm scared for you. Right. Don't back in the house. Right. You're on a date with the mask, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. It it really but people got creative. They you know, did. got they creative did. and some relationships broke off. They did. And that needed to happen because it was like, um, you know, you know, sometimes that woman intuition keep telling you, all right now, all right, right. now, let so and so go. Okay, okay. Right. And then it was just something, this mass destruction, this pandemic hit, and it's like all right, he is right. totally gone. It, and you it's time. To, it's time. It's time. And you have some that because of that, they could see what trajectory they were on. Mm. And people would save their lives in their relationships to say, you know what? I can't do this. Um, and for some, many people who lost their lives and we're not just in the relationship, intimacy relationship, but families. Right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so many um, are recovering from losing loved ones whom they couldn't even attend the funeral. And when we first began it early on last year, you couldn't even go to a funeral. They yeah. weren't even burying people um, the way we were so used to. And so there are many whom I've talked to, uh, especially some students who couldn't go to their aunt or grandmother or grandfather's funeral because of the pandemic. And that created a trauma for them. They get, didn't get a chance to pay their respects. Um, and so how they're dealing with it is trying to work through the trauma of losing someone, uh, the trauma of being, uh, you know, outcast because they didn't, you know, go to the, the repast or yeah. anything like that. Uh, we've lost people in our church family that we could not, you know, connect with. And everyone has a form of trauma from this whole a pandemic anyway, um, that we need to look at and how we are recovering from it, especially in those love relationships. How do you bounce back? As I used to say back in my day, <laughs> how do you bounce back from something like that? Right? Yeah, absolutely. My brother, uh, my brother passed um, in July um, mm-hmm. and it was, 
I, I remember my aunt, she did a Father's Day brunch and mm. I was like, ooh, uh, the pandemic, COVID. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember going to the brunch. Um, it was funny, because, it wasn't funny, but um, they're older. Um, mm -hmm. So like we all, all, it was basically like grandchildren and great and, and, and her nieces and nephews. So we, we all had on our mask and we had our kids. So we all had our mask on. Mm -hmm. and, trying to eat ham and, and stuff <laughs> um, that she ordered. And she was like, where's your brother? Where's your brother? And I was like, oh, I forgot to call him. And I called him. And um, so I was like, you coming? You coming? He was like, I don't know. I was like, well, you need to come. It's food here. She asked for you. We're still mm -hmm. here. Come. And so he got there like two hours late. It started at two. He got there four. So, mm -hmm. but I'm so grateful for that time for that yeah. i'm glad that i i went um because i you know um i was afraid you know it was just because it was so new nobody knew um what it did and how it really affected your body um mm -hmm. so i was just glad i remember um snapping a picture on my cell phone of him um and that was the last time i saw him is is uh, father's day 2020 wow. and then three weeks later um mm -hmm. he was found unresponsive um mm -hmm. And it, you know, and and it was he didn't pass away from COVID, but again, you know, us um, not being able to uh, be together as much, and even for his daughters, um, that was their guy. That mm -hmm. was, he was their man. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and so, you know, that trauma is still there, and um, for me, I'm, you know, I'm making my peace, um, mm -hmm. but I know for his daughters. It's way much harder for them. Yes. And, yes. you know, um, what are, do you have like any coping mechanisms that people can, you know, just try to start implementing, you know, even if it's like one or two tips um, yeah. to help, you know, kind of get us through this? Because I think that with this pandemic, it's going to be uh, a lot more people um, seeking some type of help or therapy or support group yeah. and counseling. Yeah, I mean, you hit on it um, big yourself. First, my condolences to you and your family um, and your loss of your brother. That was beautifully said of how important it is to connect with people. Uh, you know, because no, no day is promised to any of us, right? Again, it reminds us of the value of being present and connecting um, when you need to. You maybe call my sisters after this. Call them, call them. That was it for me. How they doing? That yeah. was with um, me, him, and my mother. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have um brother and sister with my dad and stuff, but it was just us. It was just, that's who grew up in the house. And so my mom passed 16 years ago, and then my brother passed last year. So it's just me. So I'm like, I'm the last mm -hmm. one of my, you know, our house, of our tribe. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, well, the key piece is here is first recognizing it. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I know that seems simple, but. Sometimes when we experience trauma, many people tend to try to keep themselves busy. Just mm -hmm. go to the next thing. Just I just need to just keep moving. I move past this. Just keep going, keep going. And we don't recognize, wow, I this affected me. Then it will seep out like you would take a pop can and shake it up and just kind of let out a little bit of it. You know, uh, it fizz out. If you are not acknowledging that there was trauma, there was an impact you were affected by something, um, then you won't be able to work through it. So you have got to recognize what is affecting you. 
you know, mm. how it impacted you. Um, and once you do that, then you can say, okay, I know that this, I missed this person or I missed that person. Um, they were, they meant this to me. They meant that to me. How you talked about you being the last of your tribe. What's that? How do you feel about that? Right. So yeah. acknowledging that part of that, like I am the last of in my, you know, household, like that's significant. And if you don't work through it, it will seep through in different ways, how you connect with other people, how mm. you're able to love yourself, uh, moving forward or other people for that matter. Are you able to share that love? Because sometimes when we lose loved ones, that love we had and we share with them that, you know, that agape we gave them dies along with them because mm. we can't give it to nobody else yeah. and not even ourselves. So mm. if you don't recognize it, first of all, then you're not caring well for yourself. The second thing I would say is not, you know, when people hear support group or counseling, they're like, oh, I don't do that. But we do it all the time, every day. When we're talking to our friends, our BFFs, you know, our pastors, people in our choirs and churches on the job, we're just having those conversations. And you find a connection with that person. They kind of get you. They understand that sounding board, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Connect with somebody. Talk to someone about what you're experiencing. And if they're not the professional that can help you, seek professional help. You know, if it's in the way where you cannot function, um, I had a, a time where my great grandmother passed. She was my best friend. She's my major of honor for my wedding. I loved her dearly. Um, and she passed away. And I remember, and this was 20 some years ago, but I could not get out of bed. Wow. I could not drink water. I didn't want anything. I just wanted her. And if, if she couldn't be there with me, I didn't want nothing else. Mm. For me, that was a sign to me that, you know what, I need to do something. I need to go talk to somebody about something. And I was actually in school for this thing. <laughs> so, you know, it, when you're getting your uh, degree in therapy, there's a, a component class that you take that you do therapy for yourself. And I, did, I use that for that um, to work through that. So you have got to first recognize what affects you to seek some kind of support. Whether that's your family, your friends, or professional, seek some kind of support. It's, it's key to you um, revitalizing love for yourself and love for those around you. Because if you don't, that's where you're selling yourself short and those around you. And you could isolate yourself to the point where you don't want to be around you, right? Yeah. Um, be in a, a very dissolute place. Um, so those are the two big ones out. There's plenty more I could share. Um, but those are the two big ones to recognize first how it affects you. And secondly, uh, talk to somebody, get some support, reach out. Don't just stay isolated to yourself because it's going to affect you whether you want to recognize it or not. Oh, the third, slow down. It's okay yeah. to cry. It's, it's okay to be sad. It's okay yeah. to be angry, mad. You're going to go through all of that. Um, those, um, the pendulum of emotions. You're going to go through that. And that Absolutely. is that's the one that I really want people to hear. It's okay to be upset about something or to be sad or uh, to be, you know, um, feeling like lonely. That's okay. Um, when it becomes problematic is when you can't get yourself out of it. Like nothing you will do can get you out of that, that state of mind. No, your favorite food won't do it. Your favorite show won't do it. Mm -hmm. When I'm talking to a friend, won't do it. You're still sitting there like, I don't even want to be here. I had students who say that I put on this mask, you yeah. know, and I, I'm, I'm 
laughing and smiling at everybody else, but on the inside, I, there's a dark place. And I don't even want to be there because this person isn't there. I'm not in that relationship anymore. This family member have gone on and I don't even want to be here anymore. When you are in that place, that's where you know you need to get some, some help. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I even love the fact that you brought up isolation because I know, um, you know, we can, we, we do it all the time. We, we isolate, we, we're so quick. We're like, ah, oh, you made me mad. I cut you off. I block you. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and we isolate ourselves, but, um, in reality, isolation isn't always good for us, especially after we suffer something so traumatic yeah. um, or some type of trauma. You yeah. that's the time that you need to be in connection with someone. And, yeah. you know, um, having even if you just have that one person that um, that that checks in on you, you know, mm -hmm. but um, isolating yourself, feeling like, you know, I'm the woman. I can handle this. I still have to take care of my home and my husband and my kids and I got to go to work and, and my business is, I got to do all of this stuff and we keep mm -hmm. going and going and going um, mm -hmm. until you're ready to have a nervous breakdown. Yeah. Um, I mean, are you really loving yourself in that moment? Right. You're really not. And some would say, no, I am loving myself because I'm taking care of me. No, you're running away from yourself. Yeah. When you love something, you pull it to you. You don't yeah. pull it away. That's good right there. When you love someone, yeah. <laughs> you pull or even yourself, you pull it in. You don't yeah. push away. Yeah. And it's a natural response. Even little babies. You do it any baby you want. If it's something that causes them harm, they don't they push it away. But mm -hmm. if they like it, they're gonna bring it in. You don't they don't have to have language to do that, to know that. Yeah. That's a natural response. That if it's something that feels good that you really like, you're gonna bring it in closer. Right. And so when you're just pushing yourself out there, I'm going to keep myself busy, 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 even ending the relationships. I've had many young people um, and couples that, you know, if they have a situation um, that they find themselves in, they um, feel hurt by that person or rejected by that person. They like you said, instantly, I'm going to push away. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's fine to take care of yourself. Safety first. I'm not trying to say stay in something you shouldn't be in, but safety first. But when you begin to push away from that person without communicating, that's a big key here. Communicate. Tell somebody. Talk to somebody. Right. And the more you do that, the more you can slow yourself down and say, OK, I'm busybody right now. Mm -hmm. I'm not taking care of my own needs. Not. Yes, you may take care of your hygiene and paying your bills. But are you really loving on yourself, listening to yourself and listening to the hurt, the fear, the pain, the rejection, the trauma, all of that? Listening yeah. to it and say, OK, I need to respond because if you don't respond to how your body is telling you it feels then you're neglecting yourself. Yes. Yes. I have been there. I lived it, <laughs> yeah. especially. Um, the last five years, I definitely have lived it, um, trying to balance a salon, trying to um, be a mom and then not only just be a mom and get the kids off to school, but they have extracurricular activities. So I'm trying to balance between the clients at the salon and how I can get to this play or mm -hmm. this recital or this or this game, you yeah. know, and in addition, I still have to 
you know, we're be the helpmate to my husband. What does he need? What does he need in ministry? How can mm-hmm. I support him in ministry? And then I was teaching in Sunday school. So I'm so I'm I'm, I'm in the children's ministry. So then uh those kids just they just I just love them. I mean, anytime I'm in a children's ministry, I don't care who your kid is. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I think I'm a magnet and they just just be coming over and then I just get on the floor and you know that was like my happy place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I also was burning myself out. Because yep. I was running literally seven days a week because I'm not only running Monday through Saturday, you know, mm-hmm. for school and then working at the salon Saturday. But then Sunday is ministry. And then that became more work for me. Yeah. Yeah. So and um, and, and so and so I know what it's like to be burned out. And even with the pandemic um, and, and, and going through the loss of my brother. Um, mm-hmm. Everything that was going on, finding out I'm pregnant mm-hmm. after four years, <laughs> um, wow. and um, you know, trying to balance my business, um, it becomes the busy time in the fall for work, um, mm-hmm. and because we're working from home, we're mm-hmm. all pivoting and pivoting. We're navigating Zoom. Not only am I navigating Zoom, but I'm helping the people that I serve at work to navigate. You know. <laughs> Um, so it just became so much for me. I remember like in November or even in October, I was like, I'm just done. I need to leave. I want to run away. I just need an Airbnb for two weeks. <laughs> um, and so I got the opportunity in November and I just did a, a hotel um, for three days. Yeah. Um, I really needed like a week because you you need time to just, okay. And there's another day to just kind of, you know, just not think I wanted a day where nobody called my name. I wanted a day where I didn't have to answer a text message. I didn't have to answer a phone call. I sent my husband my location. He knew where I was. Um, Mm -hmm. I walked downtown with my mask on. Mm -hmm. I went to a few stores, ordered my food, and I was back Mm -hmm. in my room. Mm -hmm. And I was okay being there and I didn't feel guilty because sometimes us as women and moms we feel yeah. guilty like yes. oh, um and yeah. I knew because I had been burned out in the past from serving in so many capacities so many roles you know as you said mm-hmm. um that I was like I'm I'm getting ready to lose it I know I need to practice self-care I'm talking about self-care on podcasts every week and I mm-hmm. know that I am about to turn to somebody else. <laughs> That's why you get, we were uh, talking about this before um, at our church, just permission to love on you. Yes. Right, just like we, we shouldn't have to get it, but you gave yourself that permission to love on you. And so just listen to you talk about how you had, you know, your room to yourself, nobody was calling you. It's just really just being present with yourself, mm-hmm. right? And just like, okay, I just need to pause. I just need to find me again because I'm giving me away a lot. Right? Yeah. And so, I was at home giving right, me away. Right. <laughs> but that, and that's how it usually happens. You're at home and you just give, give, give. And, you know, for me, I, I turned 50 this year. I thank God for oh, five. I'm not okay. ashamed of my 50, but oh, I love you. You look fabulous, girl. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. You know, and I had said to myself, I'm going to, the day of my birthday, I just said, you know, I got this wonderful jacuzzi in my house. I ain't using it. I got in there, sat. My son brought me some tea. My husband brought me my favorite latte, latte, uh, chai latte from um uh, the store. And 
I just sat in there for a while and just mm-hmm. really reflected on my life. Um, and it don't take a, a lot for me, mm-hmm. you know, just a little time. Like you said, I don't need nobody to call my name. I don't want to check an email. I want to have a phone call. I love um, a ministry, but don't want to do that right now. Mm-hmm. I just need to be with me. And, I, and, you know, I spent time talking to the Lord about just gratefulness for being in that moment, being content in that moment and giving ourselves permission. If anything for this love series, telling people love on yourself. I'm not saying be selfish. I'm saying love on yourself. We do talk about self care, but really I want to flip that and just talk about how you love yourself. Right. And when you love yourself, you are taking care of yourself. You're going to make sure you smell good. You look good. You feel good. You've eaten. You got the proper nourishment. You're taking care of your temple. You know, your exercise, all those wonderful things that go into taking care of yourself. That's how you love you. And when you do that, you are more equipped to love Mm. on somebody else. Right. It kind of exudes out from you. If you love and you, that's going to come out to everybody else. You can tell people who are not loving themselves. They're not as so, you know, they kind of curb. They got a sharp tongue. Impatient, you know, anything you have to say, you know. But when you are really spending some time loving you, when you go back as you did, (laughs) right? (laughs) Regrettably, I went back and I was so, and it was like, it was Sunday, you got to check out at 12. I'm like, oh, I should do an extended checkout. And then it was like, okay, I needed to go grocery shopping for Thanksgiving. So, I mean, but because it was COVID, it was like, I can't be in all these stores around these people. I was like sitting in a driveway at 3.30 like, (laughs) I need more time. need more time, right. But that's a symptom that, you know, you need to do it more often. Yes, yes. Right? Yeah, do it more often because it's like, you know, you have a meal. Um, I love my mother macaroni and cheese. Now my boys love my macaroni and cheese. But I have to tell my oldest son, okay, son, pace yourself. You can't give it all at once. Pace yourself. So we got to, when we love ourselves, pace ourselves. Do it more often. So that then when you do it that once every blue moon and once a year that you do it, then you're not like, oh my gosh, I need some more of this. I need some more. It's like going on a vacation. I don't know if you've taken a vacation, but I've taken a vacation Years ago, I haven't had one recently, but when we were gone for like two and a half weeks, we didn't know what to do to come back. We were like, okay, do we really want to go back to reality? (sighs) You know, (laughs) we were gone for quite some time and we didn't know how to react. But when we did it in spurts, like three days, four days here and there, then you kind of go, okay, I haven't fully lost everything. I want to do this to rejuvenate myself. That little self-retreat that we give ourselves, we need to do that. Give a self-retreat. So when you are... Uh, either whether you go from losing a loved one, um, you know, in a relationship or even, you know, some people have lost jobs that they love. Right. Yeah. You know, take time to focus on you. Have that personal retreat, the professional retreat, the entrepreneur retreat, whatever it's going to take for you to revitalize you. Do it often, because if you don't, you'll lose yourself and somebody else's identity. Not your own. Ah. That's good, right there. Say that again. You lose yourself. You lose yourself in somebody else's identity and not your own. Mm. So you you doing all this for everybody else, you know, and you kind of get lost along the way and burnt out, overwhelmed, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, just run down. Um, and then you kind of lose your sense of your own self or like what what you value, what's important to you because you're trying to give everything to everybody else. Yeah. And so what you become is what they want you to be. Yeah. 
right? And you spin your wheels going, wait a minute, but I didn't really want to do that. I know at Wheaton, our boss told us, uh, the VP uh, told us, take time, take time out because I hadn't taken vacation since the beginning of the year last year. So at the end of the year, he was like, y'all take time off. I'm like, I, I, how am I going to take time off? I'm trying to care for everybody. And I have a, um, <laughs> a wonderful admin, Andrea, uh, and she she loves on me ridiculously because she'll tell me, Carrie, you need to take time. Mm-hmm. And when I take, took that time, I was like, I need to do it. I forgot what it meant to just be. Yeah. And give myself that moment. Like, yeah, I know I see laundry over there. I, yeah. I know I got to do those dishes. Yep. And we're working at home. You can't get away from it. It's just Mm -hmm. all right there. It's always there. It's always in your peripheral. (laughs) At least when you left the house, you would leave and you go to your office and you come back like, okay, I got to get this done. Now it is there. You do a break. Ain't no break room. There's break to the kitchen. You know, you see (laughs) the dishes in the pots and the pans. And so in that moment, when I took that break, finally for that one day, I had it one day. I didn't answer a phone call. I didn't check an email. And I felt so, did this the one day. The next day I went back, I was like, okay, I got this. I can do this. I need to do it more often. Yeah. Because I was losing my identity in the other person. In relationships, you, I have a lot of students who, when they have that breakup, oh my goodness, it's like the end of the world. Like I cannot function. And since we are in this love series, those who are in those relationships, especially now that we are at the beginning, as you said, the, the beginning part of 21, there'll be some newness that's going to be happening. And then there's going to be some things that just have just like, you know what, we're done. And that person that's left outside that relationship are trying to figure out who am I? Who am I now? Like, what do I do with myself? Well, if you have to ask that question, like, I don't even know what to do, then your identity has been left with that other person. You need to go get it back. Wow. That's good right there. That is good right there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Go get your identity back, people. (laughs) Get it back. Stolen identities have happened across the nation. Go get it back. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I just wanted, that was all really, really good stuff. Ooh, so good. (laughs) (laughs) So I really wanted to just switch gears just a little bit um, and tell us, you know, how did you know that you were ready for love? And I know I heard you say, you know, you got married over 20 years ago, but, yeah. you know, um, walk us through your journey. This is a love series. Yes. Um, I would say, well, to answer first, how did I know I was ready? I, I didn't know I was ready for love. Love happened to mm. me through a development of a friendship. Mm, Y'all hear that? I just had to stop right there. She said friendship, friendship. Friendship. Yes, I had a friendship um, over 20, no, over 32 years ago, actually. Um, I met the love of my life. Did not know he was the love of my life. We both met at NIU. Uh, We were good friends. In fact, I was trying to set him up with other people. Um, (laughs) He was such a gem, so sweet and kind hearted. Um, And we had a lot of like, abilities. He was a musician. I was a soloist. We were both in the black choir and we just jailed as friends. We were in classes. In fact, in one of the classes, um, he would sit behind me, put his feet on my chair and I couldn't stand him for him. Like, get your feet off my chair. So that's why I said, ah, we were friends first. So over the years, we developed a friendship. And um, within that first several months, we started dating. Um, and when I had a really bad um, reaction, I'm allergic to tomatoes. 
He took me on the first date. We went out. He ordered my food, you know, uh, lasagna, which I had not ever eaten because I'm allergic to tomatoes. Um, and I wasn't thinking. I'm trying to be all cute, you know, special. And you I ate, ate the lasagna. Huh? You ate the lasagna. I ate, girl. I, first date, <laughs> first love of my life. Uh, he, you know, I was just trying to, you know, like, oh, you ordered for me. Like, oh, that's so sweet. Oh. <laughs> I had that before. Like, oh, okay. Um, took a bite of it and I was trying to be cute and I could feel the tingling in my mouth and on my lips. And it's kind of like that one show, uh, that movie where the face kind of like, uh, hitch. hitch. That's what happened to me. Um, and in fact, I actually passed out in the restaurant and ended up in a hospital. Oh, I, my yeah. tongue fell up. I couldn't breathe. And when I came to, he was right there. I was like, Oh, that, Oh, wow. He, he, he's the one because he stayed with me. Um, nurtured me, you know, back to good health uh, from the hospital. And so we developed a friendship for quite some time. We dated for five years. And then he asked me to marry him and, you know, uh, been married 27 years. It'll be 28 this year. And, um, you know, I just thank God that we developed that friendship and it developed over time, you know, five years of dating, uh, five years before we had our first son um, and we got three wonderful, handsome sons out of that union. And so when I knew that he cared about me, even in my most ugliest state, uh. um, even where a young man be like, probably be afraid, like, oh my gosh, she passed out, I'm going to leave. You know, um, he cared about me. That That's really what spoke to me to show mm. that I, I knew that he loved me, uh, whether I was ready for love. Um, I was ready um, for giving of myself to someone else in a way that I would want them to give to me. So if I could give the love, I was ready for the love. If that makes sense. That makes sense. So that makes sense. That, that, that's how I knew I was ready. Cause I was ready to give him love, meaning uh, my undivided attention, you know, uh, my connection, my conversation, uh, my ambitions. And he was giving it to me. Uh, if I, if he was not someone I mean, I had uh, dated a couple guys early on, but, you know, who, if they're all about themselves, what they could get from me, not giving me uh, respect or love or care or nurturing, uh, didn't have any ambitions. And he had them. He poured into that um, for me, you know. Um, so that's how I knew that he was he was the one for me. So. Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. He, yeah, that face. Oh, wow. I would have been so embarrassed. Give me a towel. Give me my neck. Give me my napkin. My my lips were like huge. And when we talked about it, we talked. We do our marriage ministry at our church, and we were talking about it once. He, he was just like, "There's something wrong. Something wrong with you." And I just said, "No, no, I'm fine. I'm fine." I was trying to play it off because I wasn't. I wasn't you know, <laughs> sure how he would react. And I'm thinking the more I say I'm fine, it'll disappear. No, I passed out and he was there right along with me. And so, uh, yeah, 30, 32, I think I'm getting right, 32 years ago, uh, we had we met and the rest is history. And we've been ministry partners at our church uh, for over 30 years now. And now he's pastor. So I'm standing right along with him in that. Wow. That is good. <laughs> So it's hard work though. It's hard work. It's not magical. It's hard work. 
Right. Absolutely. And you were saying that um, you have three boys. Yeah. And um, go ahead. CJ, they're 22, 19, and 13. Oh, oh boy. Okay. All yeah. right. <laughs> so tell us about, you know, um, even as it relates to identity, your identity, um, you're in a masculine house. And so people always joke with my husband that he's in a feminine house. Um, and now that we have our son, he has a little yeah. backup, but the baby, he said he's a baby. So, <laughs> um, and, um, so how have you been able to, I guess, maintain your identity as a woman or, or, you know, just mm. throughout the years, um, of being a wife yeah. and being a mother? Yeah. Uh, thank you for that question. Cause you know, of course, yeah, people tell me all the time, there's a lot of testosterone in our household and, I really believe um, God choose people for specific reasons. And my makeup um, sets me up for um, how I, I'm able to navigate this feminine body in this masculine household. Um, and I would say the, the biggest thing for me is just knowing who I am as a woman, as a black woman. Uh, first, I grew up, um, there's all girls in my family and then the baby is a boy. Oh, um, so, so I grew up with all of that around me as women and then nurturing my younger brother. And so now flip flopping that I come from a, a, a family of strong women, um, mm -hmm. outspoken. Uh, I know who I am. Um, and I, I do a lot of teaching with my sons who are now in college and even my youngest son and uh, helping them understand just. Uh, key of communication in wow. our love just and how we uh, operate with each other. They all know sometimes I'll go on my tennis. I know you don't want to hear, but I'm going to tell you this how I go. Um, I will uh, make stands because I've worked so long um, in the field of um, caring for other people, especially women, um, families uh, near and dear to my heart. I worked at a women's resource center in IU for years. And so just educating they have been at seminars, workshops, uh, where I've been talking about the empowerment of women. They hear it so much. So yeah, for me, that's, I, that's how I balance it out. And if there's something that they're saying is very uh, misogynistic, I call it out. And mm. I said, that's misogynistic. So they know that language. And I think it's important for uh, women who do have sons to use that language, use the opportunity to educate and teach them so that they have an understanding of who we are as women. Um, if I feel like something like, you know, is downgrading or degrading, I will bring it up. I always say it, you know. And so that's how I hold on to my identity as a woman is by acknowledging when we're watching movies, when we listen to music, um, I will bring it up. Um, and biblically, who I am as a woman. Um, we talk about that. So there's a, a, a combination that I bring from my professional life, my lived experiences, my Christian experience. Um, to my household, and they know who the queen is. They're not confused. They know <laughs> in this house. Um, uh, and also, I, I help them to recognize the importance of just loving again themselves, and that's how they're going to be able to love a woman as they yeah. get older, uh, or, or young women, uh, and care for other people. If they don't have love themselves, I know we tend to talk about loving selves just for women, but if men don't love themselves at a young age, if they are not okay with crying, 
you know, not okay with talking about feelings other than anger and, yeah. you know, uh, irritation. Talk about, okay, that that bothered me a little bit, you know, uh, that frustrated me. Give some other languages to, so they understand it's more than just I'm angry all of a sudden. But yeah. also knowing it's okay to say, like my, my youngest coming all the time, I've been doing this since a little, he'll say, Ma, I need a hug. You know, when he is sad or frustrated, something happened in his class, you know, middle school, everybody been to middle school, mm. it could be rough. Yes. You know, I try to help them to have that language to say, I'm having a hard time. Can I have a hug? Yeah. And that's how we teach our young men to love themselves, to be okay with being hurt. Uh, everything's not going to go your way. That's how we have to help them understand to be rejected. Everybody's not going to tell you okay and yes to everything. Right. right. And so you're going to have to learn how to feel that rejection. No, you can't have that. And no, you need to respect me. They know about cycles. They know about you better put that seat down. I mean, they know all of that. Mm -hmm. So it's really about communicating and uh, helping them have that language of women empowerment. So they're not um, like having I, I don't want them to be like, I got to fight for you. Stand with me. Yeah. Fight with me. Whatever that cause yeah. is, I want you to fight with me. They they have marched with me and take back the night uh, events. They've gone to seminars where they sat in the back and they're like, yep, that's true. They could tell you all about these things. I just recently had a conversation with my two oldest about sexual assault in the pandemic. You know, mm -hmm. what does that look like? What does that sound like? You know, um, how do you be uh, caretaking of yourself? So we have conversations all the time about that. That's good. That's yeah. good. Definitely. Um I don't think enough mothers with sons um, have those conversations. Yeah. You have um, to. And then I was even thinking like, you know, how would they even have those conversations? Where would they get that information from? Because sometimes they may, they, they may not know the term misogynistic or, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, where is that help at? Or yeah. you know, I mean, the more we talk about it as a community, uh, mm -hmm. even at my church, I'm also a uh, Sunday school teacher, and it's interesting. I have all gentlemen, ages 16 yeah. through 22, and we talk about the gamut of everything. Um, and having those conversations, even when they bring it up, I you just have to be. A, I'm an advocate at heart of educating young people, just like you. The young people that just flock to me. I don't ask them to come talk to me; they just come talk to me. <laughs> but you just have to open that door for them to ask questions and not shun them. You know, um, sometimes a boy said, mom, you're just a little too, you know, real and, you know, saying, yeah, I'm gonna tell you what it is. There's no, nothing fake about it. And then the other thing I wanna throw out there, tell them part of your own history, right? Yeah. Um, talking, I think as a, a, a society, as family, especially in black communities, we don't really talk about things that have happened to us in the past. And so how can we ever expect our children to understand why we may do or say the things that we do? Why are uh, certain causes more important to us than other, you know, where we want them to go with it? It's important for them to know that, um, what you've been through, what you've gone through. Um, I shared that on a college campus how I was a victim of, you know, uh, uh, sexual assault uh, and not in a sense of the, the rape itself, I want to clarify that because some people think sexual assault is just the act of sex, but I know that's another topic for another time. But mm -hmm. if I share with them um, what I've gone through, then I think they listen up more. You know, yeah. they, they can say, okay, she knows where she's coming from. She's talking about these things. 
I think if we as a community start talking about it more, then they will hear that language and be receptive to it and not kind of push it away. And that's when we lose them to other views of how things should happen. And that's where they go wrong. And they think I have so many students on the college campus will say, I thought this way it's supposed to be. I, yeah. I didn't I didn't even know what does that even mean? You know? Absolutely. Um I think um it was my sister-in-law, one of my sister-in-laws. I remember um, my oldest was just becoming a teenager and I was like, oh, this girl here, she's taking me in, Lord. Um, and I remember um, she just gave me some really good advice and she said, um, just start talking to her. Um, she said, and spend time with her alone outside of the other girls. And then she was, uh, one, one key thing she said to me that stuck out was, when you guys are alone, you need to spill your guts. And I was like, oh, you want me to tell about what I did when I was a teenager? Oh, I can't do that. <laughs> right, right. Not right. me. Um, but she's sixteen now, and um, and and I do share. I do share, and I also share how I grew up. You know how I come from strong yeah. women, and yeah. um, you you think I'm so hard, or you know, but I know what's out in the world. I know what's mm -hmm. in the streets. I know how to get out there on that CTA bus and get to yes. the south side, the west side, the north side. And you yeah. like, what's you still looking at the metro schedule? Like, um, how do I get to Chicago? Right. <laughs> exactly. You know? How do I do that? And, yeah. So I'm like, um, you know, and I, of course I want to protect you, but I also want um I want you to be open. I want you to be able I want us to be able to have these dialogues and these conversations that I couldn't have with my parent. Um yeah. so you know, this is the and I, I I'm honest with her. I'm like, this is new for me too, girl. I don't know how yeah. to raise a I was like, I'm gonna be great by the time your little sister come up, girl. I'm gonna have this mm -hmm. down together. But that's beautiful. You say be honest. Yeah. Just that I don't I don't have I don't know it all. I don't know at all. I know there are plenty of books out there about it, but you're unique, and so our dynamic is unique. So I, yeah. I, I don't know it all. So I, the honesty is key. I think that's beautiful what you said. Just yeah, honest. and I even, I'm even during the pandemic, and she was like, I just want to be with my friends. I was like, everybody's at home. Everybody's yep. at home. Everybody. Yep. Um, my boy's the same. Yeah. But they, you know, they got, the, yeah. they got their own place, too, so I yeah. tell them go home. And, and, you know, that being honest, I think that really helped us in our relationship, being honest. And then um, for me, I was like, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry that I couldn't do this. Or I'm sorry I'm not this person. I'm not going to raise you the same way that um, yeah. your aunt is raising your cousins. Um, yeah. And I realized that as a young mom, I was like, wow, you know, you grow up with people and then you realize we different. Yeah. We different. <laughs> We're different. We're gonna raise our kids different. We're gonna govern our houses different. We're gonna do different stuff in our marriage. We different. We 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 different. <laughs> That's why I always tell people you can't base your relationship goals or the measure of your love on somebody else because you really don't know all the details of what's going on in there. Because there'd be some stuff that happened that you just are not in agreement with. So you can't base it on somebody else. Mm -hmm. You gotta. Set the tone for what's okay for you and what you can manage and what you're open to. Absolutely. Absolutely. So right before we wrap up, I just want to uh, close out with this last question is how did, how did you, or how do you um, 
um, keep your identity or mm -hmm. what advice do you have for women, you know, when the kids are gone, you know, cause you mm -hmm. guys, you, you just have not, you just have, but the 13 year old, he'll be going to high school and then, so, right. So, you yes. know, and then you'll be a true in, empty nester in a sense. So, yeah. um, that's, you know, you're not going to be, you're not in the mommy role as in, you know, uh, you know, I have to feed you, cook for you, wash mm -hmm. your clothes, iron your clothes. I don't have to do all of those things anymore. What mm -hmm. do you do now? What do you do? What do you do with your time? How does that woman? Um, first of all, I want to even say she knows that's coming. So yeah. you know, sometimes women are like, "Oh my God, my kid graduated. I'm so depressed." And I've yeah. encountered different women like that who kids are like even now in their first year of college, and they're like, "What do I do?" And I'm like, "Girl, you're gonna have to say yeah. class." <laughs> I mean, because I don't know what to do, but I'm also like you. I know you got to do something, and so yeah. my advice is take a class. <laughs> take a class, find something. But that that goes to my point that I mentioned earlier that we give so much of ourselves and our identities away that we lose our own identity and their identity, right? Yeah. So I always, when I've done trainings before for families and new moms, don't lose yourself. You know, don't lose yourself. Still have your own, you know, what sparked you, you know, when you became that adult, that independent woman, before you were in a relationship, before you were married, what sparked you? What What were your values and your goals that you, you know, grappled to? You know, what do you want to do? And you're right. I do have friends that say, well, my, my son is gone to college. I don't do myself. Well, then I start asking, well, who are you? And yeah. you know, who are you or who do you want to be? Like, yeah, you can go to school, but who's in there? You know, maybe take some time to figure you out. You know, mm -hmm. read, go for a walk, meditate, you know, get engaged in other different things. Um, so for me, I have my my desires, my career, my friends, different connections, different interests. I'm I'm reading a book, you know, I'm working on writing a book. I mean, there's different things I want to do um as I'm preparing for my youngest to leave uh, with that he's been going to his brother's house and so every other weekend we're like okay bye-bye see you later loving it and so focusing on the things that we do of course as my husband's pastor we do a lot of pouring into those areas of our lives again my other identity that i i hold and i'm spending time with my mom connect with her i uh, want to connect with my sister so really looking at just taking the time try this out for those who are uh, listening um to write out what identities do you hold mm, and so right. you should have more than one on there it shouldn't just be mother there yeah. has to be some other identities that you hold and see if you could tap into those and if you don't want to call them identity call them roles you know what are the roles do i have as a person you know what does my personhood say about me if i were to lay my life out what roles do i operate in and that could tell you you know what do i do once my kids are all grown and adult what do i do with myself well tap into some of those things that you put on the back burner because many mothers and fathers put things on the back burner so they can elevate their children, they can nurture their children, they can help them grow. So once that's moved out the way, now what are you gonna do? You know, if you can look at that and say, well, how? Okay, I, I, I yes, I'm a mother, but I'm a wife. Don't forget about your husband. Right. Be, 
keep building on that relationship. Have fun. Hang out. Um, just over the weekend when we were talking about different things, like, okay, we're gonna go out. And my youngest said, Well, can I go? Baby, no. You, you can't you can't go. He said, Oh, y'all doing a date thing? Yes, we're having a date. Date again. Yes. In those marital relationships, date. You know, if, if you if there's the spouse is not there, then do you have a role with your siblings, with your family, with your job, in your community? What roles do you operate in in your identity? As a professional woman, take some different classes, as you say. You know, pursue I was some even I was even talking about take a knitting class, take a yes. class. You know, I was just saying, you know, um, because you may not want to go back to school, but take some do something where you can meet other people. Yes. Um, and interact and then decide, okay, I don't like to knit. Let me go over here and try this hot yoga. <laughs> well, my niece, she uh, learned how to um, uh, uh, deal with like things in her house. She took a class on like household maintenance. She okay. learned how to change her filter. She learned how to drywall. I mean, just different things she added to her life. Yes, I agree. It doesn't always have to be in a professional setting, but just to build yourself up and engage mm -hmm. and connect with people, or you know, go get another job. As my mother was, I told all the time, "Mom, go work somewhere." If you are bored and tired, and all of us are grown, 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 go do something else. Then she finally said, "You know what? I think I'm good. I I, I found some things to do around the house. I okay, find something to do. Don't just sit there and say I'm bored, I'm depressed, I can't do nothing. If you are, you need to seek help." Don't, don't do it by yourself. Don't isolate. If you cannot get beyond missing that child and you by yourself um, and stuck in, in somebody else's identity and you have been a victim of identity theft, go get it back. Go talk to somebody and, you know, refurbish yourself, rebuild. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think um, with the life we're given, we have the opportunity every day to make the one decision that will change our lives. And you get to make the decision every day that I'm going to do something new. I want, I, I want to refurbish my life today and tomorrow I'm going to get online and start looking. And then on Friday, I'm just going to go ahead and just press, you know, submit yeah. and I'm just going to connect. I'm going to send it. You're talking about a plan. Put a plan in action. That's what you're talking about. Get that plan activated. Don't just think yeah. about it. Activate the plan. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some people that are watching today, you've been thinking about an idea for years. You have lived and survived. You've yeah. not only survived 2020, but you have the opportunity to do something great yes. with, the, with the rest of your time in this body and on this earth. But you have to do the work. You have to put the plan mm -hmm. together and then you have to walk out that plan. And it's not it's not always going to be easy. You said nope. the key word, put in the work. Yeah. Work requires hours, effort, energy, attention. Um, it, it's your whole being. If you want to do something and if you're tired of living, you know, in somebody else's identity, if you're tired of, you know, your trauma being in charge of your footsteps, then you got to work hard at it. And that means you stepping out, reaching out, engaging, connecting, doing the things that is going to build you up. And help you overcome that. And if you're missing that love that you you felt was the love of your life, and you don't think you could go on anymore, trust me, you can. It's like yeah. just like I said, you can do it. You just gotta put the plan in action. Write it down. Make some steps. You know, Absolutely. don't lose yourself to somebody else or something else. You know. 
That's good right there. I think we're going to end right there. Don't lose your identity to somebody else. Don't let them walk away with your identity. And and I like that. Like, don't let anybody walk away with your identity mm-hmm. to the point you don't even know who you are anymore or what you love to do. You forgot you like chocolate ice cream, but you've been with so-and-so so long, you've been eating strawberry. Like, <laughs> it just, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. But you have the choice. The choice is always yours. The power is always in you, even yes. when you don't feel like it. And yeah, like, um, like Harry was saying, when you get to that point of, I can't get out of bed, I can't pull myself out, seek the support, the help yeah. that you need. Yeah. And just telling one other person and they may be able to get you connected to something. If you don't know somebody, don't feel like, oh, I don't know anybody. Tell somebody and that somebody may be able to get you connected. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that is our time for today. I am. I want to thank you so much, Carrie, for being on our show. This was a great conversation. It has helped round it out and wrapped up the identity of a woman. Mm-hmm. Um part in our series and our love series 2021 um again guys thank you so much if you have not go back and listen to the other recordings and have we have had a great time we have had some great dynamic conversations um when we are we're not just surface we have dug pretty deep and um i hope you guys continue to share submit and um and i'll see you guys next time i am chantel branch your domestic violence specialist educating individuals on why their decision to remain silent keeps them locked in abuse don't forget to head over to our website at www.mffproject.com we just launched our new website and um check us out we are we are here. We are here to serve our organization, inspire strength through domestic violence. And we just want to we started the love series because we want you to know who you are. Um, I, so you can we want to help you identify your role so that when you see something or you're in a relationship that does not even feel right or look right, you have already set boundaries for yourself and you know what you're going to allow, what you won't allow. And you can mm-hmm. move out of that relationship quicker rather than later. So that's it. Uh, And I'll see you guys again next time. Have a great day. Bye.